will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Welcome to another episode of Leverage Addicts. It's Blandon here, your host, and today we are actually talking about overseas leverage. If you are a foreigner, if you're a Kiwi living in another city, or if you're a Singaporean, Australian, then this podcast is for you. And sitting across me today is my colleague, Yan, who is becoming one of our higher performing advisors. And recently, he's been working with some overseas clients who are sort of investing in New Zealand. And I thought to get him on the podcast because I think there's a lot of um, a lot of Kiwis wanting to sort of buy back home. And it, it makes sense because if you're earning good money overseas, there's no reason why you don't utilize the leverage that you have access to in New Zealand. So before we start, Yan, I would love to ask you a little bit more about sort of your background and why you chose to move to New Zealand in the first place. Yeah, I think... Um... My story is, is, a, is a mix of uh, complex. Like, uh, originally, I w- I'm from China and I studied in France and then um, got my degrees there and become a, a, actually a foreign exchange trader. And then the financial crisis and I see how things can go wrong and then lost my job. And then I actually uh, replanned my, my career and I become a, a project manager and I joined a Chinese construction company. I w- then I was dispatched to Africa, Cameroon, as a project manager to oversee the construction of a, a two stadiums there it's about 20,000 seats of the football stadium because there's lots of fans in Cameroon as you can see and uh, then I came back home and the company had some project to, to invest in New Zealand and uh, and actually as a merge it was a merge acquisition then I was sent to to New Zealand to conclude the deal and uh, become director and then like have my kids and my life here funny enough and then like uh, from my first year in New Zealand I was thinking of buying a home and that was my first contact with uh, property industry in New Zealand and I, I'm loving it. So that's my my story. And then in New Zealand, I did a few investments and uh, and also ran some some businesses. And but the business itself had got some difficulties because of COVID. And during the COVID, I I, I think oh, okay, property is the is something I love as as, as the where the fortune is actually from my own perspective. Then I I, I started to decide to get a accreditation, become a broker, and uh, and then joined the MHQ. Perfect. So I mean, Yan actually made a massive career decision. I when when uh, when we first sat down, I I saw that you were in the industry, you know, working in different roles already and you just really want to find a find a home long term and what's really interesting is that you have invested in properties previously yeah and then you kind of sold and then you use that equity to just pay down the mortgage correct and so then when you start this new career it's a lot less burden for you because you've you've set up a really really good safety net through investments i think i was i was lucky because i when i landed in new zealand i thought of like uh, buying my my first home here because like got some savings from my previous job and uh, they managed to get in my first home and at that time it's quite funny enough the trigger was i joined a, a anz webinar to actually for the immigrant and it's to show okay hey immigrants i mean new kiwis why not thinking of buying a home in new zealand so they're hey, yeah it's a good idea i just uh, need a 20 percent deposit 
deposit. I think I can make it and I uh, got a fixed income. You know, why not? Then I went to the, the bank, which is like a, not a very good experience because that I didn't have lots of advice, but just like go to the branch and get in the queue and talk to someone, which I don't quite like. Then I start to contact some, some brokers because I thought like uh, maybe from brokers, I can get some better advice. And I managed to find my, my broker. She's very helpful. And so she actually helped me to get in my first home. And uh, that was back in 2014. And I got like uh, 80% of mortgage, quite a big amount. And then second year, and uh, my broker saying, hey, why not uh, buy another property? I was, I was asking, can I buy, buy another property? I, I still earn the same money. I thought I have used up all my uh, borrowing power. He said, no, no, no. And uh, you might actually get something. Then there is a session with her. They said, okay, yeah, I found that I, I should do something. I was quite naive. You know, I would say, I just need to spend whatever I can, I can borrow. I just buy whatever I can buy, you know? And then I got my pre-approval, but my, I have some basic understanding. I think uh, at least the second property should cover all the mortgage repayments for that, like the set. Like neutral? Neutral, yeah, post cash flow break-even. So I luckily found one in Auckland, three houses on one title. Multi-unit for the first one. Yeah. So high yield, I think that one was like uh, probably uh, 7%, 7%. Wow. Yeah, 7% in, in West Auckland. 2016, this was... 2015, yeah. 2015, not not a bad yield during that year. Yeah. So just the one year after my, I got, got my first home, I managed to get that one. Then I started to do something else. I got in a different pay scheme. And, uh, you know, I realized with the lots of changes in job and profession and, uh, and adventure, because I, I like to challenge myself to do something different. I can't borrow more, right? And uh, then I, I need to invest more in my, into my business. Luckily, about six years later, in year of 2020, I found myself in uh, trouble in some, some financial you know, burden. I really need to make a decision. Then I actually made the decision to sell the property and that be able to actually pay off uh, most of my mortgage. Well, I was in, the, in a difficult time, but I got the safety net because I have a little mortgage to pay them. And that's given me a, a good foundation to go forward. So I think I, I've made a 50% good uh, decision. So I think uh, when I when I joined Mortgage HQ, I talked with Blend and I said, if I if I met you like uh, probably five years before and give me more advice like how to keep boring, probably I'll be a different person today. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's never too late. Yeah, yeah, it's never too late. That's the slang in our industry. It's never too late. And now is always the best time. Talking about investing as a foreigner, I mean, we're going to go over the why, the what, and the how. Perhaps you can share a little bit on your thoughts on why someone might choose to invest in New Zealand? If I, like from an immigrant perspective, because we all live in a different country, you know, we come here is for, for life. That's why we come here, not for like big stuff. For life, I think the property, you know, first of all, you need, we need a place to live and the rent here is so high comparing to my home country, for example. It definitely uh, worth for me to pay the mortgage back into my equity instead of paying someone else. It's a simple math question. And also the local economy here in uh, New Zealand is like quite strong and uh, the job market is very strong. New Zealand is overall a kind of safety net to all the people around the world, like wealthy people. Like if they, if you find difficulty in home, that New Zealand probably will be the place you want to move in to get safety. So that's a foundation for the property. That's why you want to really look at uh, doing something here. And also the business environment here is so, I would say, so friendly. 
and uh, very straightforward from an immigrant perspective. Like I, I worked in Africa and China. Here is no corruption. People just talk about business and they're talking with a, with a broker. You, you trust him and he will also trust you and give you the best advice. So that's very easy to deal with. There's no other stuff like, you know, if you come from a, a different country. No alternative agenda. Exactly. There's there's no under table stuff. This is just a, like a, everything is under the sun. So it's, you just talk about if you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. That's a simple question. And property will have some good yield as well yielding in terms of rental and the capital gain. And comparing to our neighbor as well, uh, Australia, we don't have stamp duty. And in a way, we actually don't have capital gains tax. We do have what we call a bright line test. Yes, correct. Which is basically first five years, if you sell, you pay the tax if you buy a new build. But if you buy an existing property, it's a 10-year bright line test, which is still a massive advantage because Australia, you after the first year, you'll pay. There's a 50% discount on the tax. And then overseas as well, most of the other countries, you'll have to pay a tax on capital gains. Yeah, and here actually the bright test line is not actually it is not tax capital gains it is actually income tax so it's still some lots of ex- expenses you can deduct even within that if you have to sell within that time frame so you can still you know, talk with your accountant so you can still actually deduct quite of like a tax tax from that it's actually called income tax still so um, that's uh, that's awesome um, and what would you say would be some good properties to buy perhaps what would what would you sort of think about if you're sort of living overseas and wanting to buy here i think i want to quote one of my clients and uh, he's a very, very typical like overseas person but though he he's kiwi he's a uh, like a citizen here but uh, he for like for the past 10 years he always worked outside of the country and got a permanent job there and uh, earned good money and that's why you you actually you want to work overseas but he always like uh, tend to invest home back in new zealand because he wants to come back here right he was a, as a compa- as a at the end after years of adventure outside then you know kiwis still come back you know you want to make a good life here so previously and he had done some some more investment then uh, he approached us and then we help him to you know keep investing in the right property then now he's in a much better place then for someone like that what kind of properties could they go for think of that because you you are not here in new zealand you know most of the time probably you are in australia in singapore or in another country you want like buy something that is self-contained that pays for itself ideally and if they can have some cash flow positive that would be great I think that will be a very important criteria because you, you want to probably initially spend some deposit or just use equity to get the home and then it runs for itself. You have a team to look after it. And then you just uh, get on your own adventure outside. So I think to buy something with a high cash flow, not, not a bad idea. I definitely think, uh, tend to agree on, on that side of things. Obviously, if you go to our YouTube channel, we talk about it a lot, looking at the numbers of the pro- on the properties and looking at what the rental yield is going to look like. But obviously, there are other things that potentially you want to think about because besides the rents that you're getting, you want to invest in a city that potentially have good capital gains. And so perhaps some of the bigger cities, you might want to potentially avoid West Coast, but you know, some of the bigger cities like New Plymouth, Palmerston North, um, Hastings, yeah. despite, you know, it's quite sad that they had the storm, but it is a growing city. Uh, first of all, you make a good formula about what you want to buy and uh, then you didn't just find the spot that you are confident and that there is a lot of a way for you to actually hunt for property. So you should be more specific, how I say, because there's so many different type of investments. Every investment has its own, you know, fit in a particular strategy because you are an overseas person and uh, I think our strategy or your thinking is like is to create a safety net and get some capital gain and 
and the cash flow positive. If you put that condition into your formula, then the ideal property will come out. And the interesting thing is because it always a misconception or a myth that because if you invest out of like Auckland or Wellington, you don't have the capital gains. But that has been not true. If you look at the last 20 years, exactly. the regions is actually, some of them actually stronger, even stronger yeah. than the main cities. And for Singaporeans, can they actually buy existing properties or is it just the new builds that they can go for? Yeah, that's a good question. I think here for the Singaporean and uh, some New Zealand banks are making the quoted exception. If you are a Singaporean citizen and a permanent resident, they, uh, according to, to their policy, they may actually take the application as the normal residence in New Zealand. Not permanent resident, just a resident. Then you need to stay in New Zealand for at least a six months out of the 12 months. Still, like uh, when we talk about overseas entity or, or person to buy, there is not still case by case. But uh, overall, from policy side, it is actually acceptable. So definitely worth to talk with your broker too to seek options. So if you're an overseas, working overseas, you got New Zealand residency. What kind of income could you use for borrowing money here? So if you work overseas, definitely bank will prefer or uh, PAYE, so normal, like you're working for someone, not working for your own company. But if you're a self-employee, it will be pretty hard. And we see that the New Zealand bank are trying to, you know, not accept like a self-employed income. And so PAYE or the, the normal salary job is, is actually what they accept the most. For other income like dividend or the rental income, it seems that they don't accept at the, at the moment. Let's say, okay, someone's just like, okay, now, I actually want to buy something. How do I start looking? What kind of properties would you choose if you had the choice? To start with, uh, still talk with your financial advisor first to understand your borrowing power, to first to check your eligibility, you know, because I know for overseas person, there's some other like uh, things to check first with your banker with, or broker, a clarification of your uh, eligibility for lending and uh, buying in New Zealand. If that is crossed, then you just, uh, for, you got a budget, right? And then you start to hunt for it. Then you will see, see that or this is just a personal preference depending on the budget then you should invest in those cash flow positive area or properties and start to look around and you can talk with your broker they can help they may actually help you to give you some direction which area to, to look at or just that talk with some agents and uh, to give you the information and i tend to see that perhaps there are some elements like let's say if you're buying a new build for example there are properties that might have better long-term capital gains when you compare to the type of house in that particular area and I I think one thing that I sort of attribute to that I see is consistent is that you have to understand what that particular suburb is wanting to attract yes potentially professionals or is it families because you know if you're in a more uh, urban area that is um, very busy and more roads but yeah. it's got train it's got you know, shopping malls, perhaps that's not going to be as attractive for families. You know, you've got parks and like a, a bit of a walk, yeah. stuff like that. Then perhaps a family's more attracted to those areas, got good school zones. And understanding that first, then you will then, it's going to be easier to make the decision what type of properties you want to buy in those areas. And then you talked about yield a lot. Obviously, that's quite important because the overseas investors, they tend to might be able to just put in a bigger deposit. They might be able to just go with a lower yield, but then have something that's cash flow um, sort of neutral. Yeah.
I think in other areas, um, have you explored like government spending before, like where the government is actually spending money and the yeah, correlation? That is a very good question. Under the current government, I think we have some, like most of the, the infrastructure is built around Auckland and uh, some other areas like probably uh, less than before. And uh, apparently when you invest, if there's more government spending on that particular area, potentially there will be more job being created in that area. But the thing is, as an overseas person, if you are not confident enough about those information to be able to filter but myself i wouldn't actually abide by those advice because it's just fun from news it's not tangible unless you, if you know this area very well you know been here before living here for a while and then but if just a lot based on the news or the information from the agents or probably you need to give us a second thought that's what i'm thinking um so i think for overseas investor like as you said just to fix them more like a more stable area mm-hmm. And uh, so you have a less less trouble to deal with, and you you know, you know the place. And I love using tools like Relab.co.nz yeah. at the moment. The special thing about it is that you can see what areas have a lot of social housing, or are potentially you know New Zealand housing. And those tend to, like if they're not actually for kaying order, they're just actual social housing, then potentially the growth rate is going to be a bit slower because the demand to live in those areas might not be as high. I think in terms of like if you're buying existing property, you can also base it on what I call the land per square meter rate. You know, if you're buying something with good uh, future potential, every single area is going to have a selling rate. The flat lands with stormwater, wastewater, those infrastructure that's going to allow you for future development those are actually going to be really good for long-term growth and then i also find for new builds they tend to sort of sell out of her floor area opposed to just land area and then you can sort of work out what those particular area might be selling at so i guess if you buy new builds obviously you got to think about developer reputation as well exactly um, liquidity because there is a credit crunch and you can definitely see some of the developers sort of withhold some of the deposits at the moment because it's just not the best market but the best market for buying (laughs) <laughs> Not the best market for selling, but the best market for buying. So um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about borrowing criteria. What sort of deposit do we need? How much can we actually borrow? And how does that actually get looked at at the bank side? So if we're looking at a buying as an investment property and uh, an, an existing home, which is like a CCC issued after six months, right? More than six months, then you will need to have at least a 40% deposit or equity to borrow money to settle the, the investment property. If you wanted to buy something for yourself as a home and not renting out, then you need a 20% deposit. That's the preferred position from the bank. Typically from an overseas person, like that would be pretty black and white and because uh, they more complexity in the income verification side. So you want to at least like uh, meet those criteria first, then do at borrowing. And then for the amount that you, you you can borrow and uh, the overseas income definitely we can use that if it's PAYE but the, the New Zealand bank they're gonna see that uh, there was some tax or some unknown cost so they're gonna shade as well probably 20-25% from your existing some, some of your true before tax income overseas. So that should be considered as well. Basically what you're saying, if they earn $100,000 New Zealand after it's converted, then the bank might only use 80,000 of that. But if you're in Australia, I think there are a couple of banks that might have a higher amount that they can use. Correct. If you are Australian, it's a little bit different. So it definitely worth to check, talk with a broker, then we can double check with the banks because Australia is like our closest neighbor and uh, then that's a bit different. So we, we might get some more acknowledgement from the New Zealand banks for their income. Our calculation actually quite simple way because it's just basically income minus expense left over what can we service on a test percentage so all your net income shaded if you're it's overseas 
then what's your living expense you know your rent your insurance etc and then we minus all your obligations which might be other mortgages that other you have mortgages, other debts yeah and then if there's a leftover basically the bank will go okay reverse engineer how much mortgage you can service on like say eight and a half percent at the moment that's sort of the going rate isn't it correct correct so in terms of documentation how do we present a good application yeah that's very important because you know imagine if, if you're an assessor you want to see a clean tidy application instead of like uh, flying around you know document flying around and you want to get a tidy i think the, the arrangement of document very important and here normally what we want to see from the client is definitely your id your, your passports and if you're resident you need to have the residency of the country and then uh, we need your local payslips and all the bank statements that we can see that the payslip your salary has been paid into and uh, also show your day-to-day -day transaction as you just uh, explained that the bank needs to calculate your monthly expenses you know to subtract that to see what's left over so that's how they verify your expenses and your income so payslip must match bank statement and the bank statements that expenses match what you have declared how much you want to spend and that's typically called a statement of position statement position correct and then local brokers New Zealand broker will ask you to get a declaration form signed so you authorize that the broker as your person to handle your mortgage application on your behalf and then if you have any other debts like credit cards or like a car or other debts then we need also need a statement for those things so that the bank can verify i think the critical point is that you just need to be upfront you know trying to assume that uh, assume that with one go the bank is going to approve you yeah you don't want the bank to come back say hey you have a, something hidden right so that is criteria so basically, the more they can disclose to the broker, the easier you're going to make the application. And the more accurate the information is, the, the less double handling you need. More or less. But uh, I think the way you're saying that, I'm thinking of, because like, that's the benefit of talking with your broker, have a broker instead of a bank. With uh, some legislation change in New Zealand, we tend to not talk, I mean, um, name ourselves as a broker anymore, actually. We sort of a financial advisor. So as a consultant or financial advisor, our role is to, first of all, understand the bank's requirements and also get the transparency from with our clients and then how to tidy up a, an application to meet the bank's condition so if we can get a transparent communication with the client so then we will be able to put up a better application to the bank that's the way i want, I want to like probably phrase up and you can also you don't want to like uh, send banks some garbage right which they don't need and then complicate stuff so that's the good things to working with a broker but if you deal with the bank then you, have, you just dump everything to them then that might you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the major benefit with working with Mortgage HQ Advisor is that most of us here, we all have investment properties. The advisors, they're more specialized in investment properties. So then it's not just doing the application, it's go, okay, hey, how do we create a strategy that's going to allow you to keep growing that portfolio? And I think that's really important. So last thing that I was going to ask you is what are the order of doing things and how do we actually get into a new purchase? Okay, the order for everything, chat with your wife and I'll chat with your husband. <laughs> Make sure you guys are on the same What? <laughs> you need to do that? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's a very typical problem or question we're gonna, we, we are facing because that you need, we need to get a common sense like or, or everyone's sitting on the same, same page. And that's the thing. That's not a joke. You know, have a fully communicate with your family members because now you what you are going to do, you're going to buy a property not within your arms like, like, without your reach because you are not in that, in that country. So you need to, you know, talk with your family, make sure that you, you have an agreement 
women to do that. And then the next thing is a team. Team is very, very important. Before you're doing anything, you need to think of team first. I think team here like uh, means talking property. The person you're, you're going to involve is like is a lender or banker or advisor. That's one side of it. And uh, then you need a, a, a solicitor or lawyer that you are confident with. And uh, that's because he's going to handle your documents on your behalf. If you ha can have a buyer's agent or agent that you, you know that he's going to get a good deal for you, Typically on the market, you have some buyer's agent that they can actively hunt property for you. And also a property manager, because in most cases, you will have a PM to manage the rental for you. And then is the accountant who is going to sort out your tax. I think that that is the a base requirement for the team. And, the, and trickle down, and when you get on, on the transaction, you will need to get some good referral from your team for the future purchase, like a builder. Because you probably need a builder or inspector to help you check or verify the conditions of the of the house you would like to some, some, some a person that can cross refer and that you have a trust and then the prerequisite is that you already have a good team to work around you i think that is the very very important so that's building the a team a team yeah so if we were to actually explore the steps of buying what would you say maybe the key few steps look like the the key step is that first of all money first check out your budget with your financial advisor and how much you can spend that's the that's the very first step. And the good thing about financial advisor is that because they, they are not attached to the to a particular property, they are linked to the lending industry. So they probably give you more uh, like insights in how the market is going overall and the macro and macro side okay? from how busy they are or what kind of uh, deals you can ask them how, what kind of deals you are you are doing at the, like uh, for, for the last six months. So something like that. So you you give give you a lot of fresh information from the real transaction, not from stories, right? So first up again. Get, and then get a clear clarification of your budget. And then you can start to use some tools like a Relab or, or TradeMe or other things to, to check on what you can find out and then start to hunt for property. And meanwhile, get your financial advisor to get a pre-approval if you can. And then when deals come up and then you will be, be able to, to pick it up. Doing the due diligence uh, of that per particular purchase, you can talk with your other team like a solicitor, your property manager, your builder, your accountant about that particular purchase. Awesome, awesome. Any last words before we close off today? Welcome to New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that, that is true. New Zealand is such a lovely country. Like for myself, I've been so many places around the world and then finally decided to stay in New Zealand and uh, to make, make a life here. I really enjoy it. And people are saying, oh, actually there's less, less opportunity than US or than Australia or than, than China or sometimes or in Europe. But, you know, if you if you sort of like a safety net, like a balance and you want to deal with friendly people i'm not saying other 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 side of the planet is not friendly but here i can i know here's friendly people and i think new zealand is the one of the best places around the world that's awesome so how do people get in touch for me uh i have my wechat accounts is for singaporean um you know because the wechat have lots of influence and you can actually get in touch with me in the WeChat and uh, or WhatsApp. I'm always there, and to to answer your question and uh, any question, just let me know. Then I I can and I can find out the answer for you. You can find Yan's contact on mhq.co.nz. And so we're gonna close off the podcast for today. And if you guys want to learn more about properties, definitely check out our YouTube channel Mortgage HQ. And on our website, there are masterclass that's gives you a more structured way of building your portfolio and building your wealth. Until next time, I see you guys again.